There's this woman named Louisa Haynes who I want to tell you about. She went by the Twitter handle Woke Louisa. Her picture showed a young, pretty black woman. And if you're frustrated by Donald Trump, I got to say, her timeline was pretty funny. Like when you were setting your clocks back for daylight savings time, she tweeted, don't forget to delete one hour from the Trump presidency at 2 a.m. It's not bad, right? She had opinions about policy, too. Trump wants to spend $25 million on a border wall, she tweeted at one point. That money could be used to pay 192,000 porn stars to stay quiet. Louisa was popular. She had more than 50,000 followers. Her hot takes on politics were picked up and reposted by the BBC, USA Today, Time Magazine, and more. But the thing with Louisa Haynes is that she wasn't real. Louisa was dreamed up along with hundreds of other social media profiles by a group of Russian digital operatives. They created Facebook profiles, they shared memes, and just last week, the FBI accused them of trying to influence the midterms. That's right, the election that's happening in just a couple weeks. That's why digital security guru Clint Watts is here. He's going to tell me what U.S. Cyber Command, which, yeah, that's a thing, can actually do about all this. Plus, the criminal complaint filed last week against a woman who allegedly worked for a Russian troll farm. What can that accountant tell us about how these schemes work? All that and just a bit more news from the day after the break. I'm Mary Harris. You're listening to What Next. Stay with us. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it... A real POS. You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Just this week, U.S. Cyber Command reportedly began its first operation aimed at stopping Russian influence on the midterm elections. But according to the FBI, that interference may have already happened. On Friday, a criminal complaint was released against a Russian accountant named Elena Kushyanova. It meticulously lays out how Russian operatives used social media to influence political opinion here in the U.S. And they did it as recently as this spring. We're going to get to Kushyanova in just a second. But first, when I read about these cyber operations taking place to protect the midterms this week, my first thought was, is this really the first time we're trying to do this? It seems super late. Oh, it's like way late. This is Clint Watts. He's a senior fellow at the Center for Cyber and Homeland Security at George Washington University. Here's the weird thing about it. I am excited about what a Cyber Command and the National Security Agency are doing. I am glad they're moving forward. This should have been in the plan a year and a half ago. That's huh. why they the, the Russian method is to keep going until you meet a counterforce. If no one's doing anything to stop them, then they're not going to stop. Why would you? There's no there's no cost to doing this, and it's highly effective. This should be a task force. It should be integrated at the top. There should be a leadership saying, this is what our strategy is to deal with this. Uh, Cyber Command can go knock down accounts all they want, but what is the ripple effect out to the FBI or DHS? Where, where does this cause maybe Russia to fight back against us in a certain way? So Cyber Command is sort of rushing in and trying to I don't know, staunch the bleeding. But you're saying that there's just not enough coordination between all these different 
internal organizations to do something effective? I don't know what the coordination is. I think that's what makes me nervous. Usually you would have the national security staff at the White House would create a strategy and it would farm out responsibilities and roles and leadership uh, chain of command, those sorts of things, on a big issue like this. That was called the National Counterterrorism Center. After 9-11, you know, we created this integrated structure to deal with this complex threat. And maybe it's just informally the leaders working with each other because they know what to do. They know what the right thing is to do. That may work as a patchwork, but that's not really a plan. And that's why it's evolved so slowly, I think. So last week, end of the day on Friday, we get this news that Elena Kusenova has been indicted. She's part of this larger network of Russian operatives, right? Right. So what do they do? So uh, Kusenova's position was essentially the accountant. And whether you're a troll farm, an organized crime group, or even a terrorist group, it's always about communications and financial transactions. So when you get to those points, she's one of those points, you can see how all the branches go out. And what was remarkable about that criminal complaint is that it really showed the different entities, the different contracting cutouts and companies they were using, uh, how they were organized. So you could see they had a search engine optimization group that they funded. They had a social media research group. They had uh, technical capabilities they were getting. And so in a troll farm, you're looking essentially to build what looks like an army uh, of supporters in in different languages. What was new about what happened last week was that There was evidence that this group of folks in Russia were influencing the 2018 midterm election, right? Right. It wasn't just about the election, but yeah, they were pushing towards the midterm election and they were there after the 2016 election, which has always been the question, what are we going to do about this? It didn't stop on the election day. From a tactical perspective, sure, the the Russians, as Vladimir Putin said, wanted Trump to win. But the long-term goal is to stay in the audience space and be able to manipulate U.S. audiences however the Kremlin wants them to be manipulated. That's divisive issues, pitting sides against each other. That's anything that attacks a U.S. institution or an elected official or creates fear and panic in the audience space. I was thinking about this indictment and... Cyber Command saying, we want to put pressure on individual actors, people like Elena Kusenova. But she actually went on YouTube to mock this Mm -hmm. indictment this week. So is this individual pressure going to work? Imagine if uh, one of our foreign adversaries came to us uh, and said, you, Major, and the United States Army, we're going after you for what your country has done. It's a little weird, right? Like, so it's it's good in a certain sense. Here's what that criminal complaint did last week and why it's important. It named all the companies, all the front companies that are out there. This sends off signals to every server, every uh, computational propaganda social bot firm, uh, everybody out there. If you're doing business with these companies, you may not have known what they were up to. We are letting you know. This puts a significant cost on the troll farms operations. The Internet Research Agency now, all of their contracts, everything, everywhere the written servers are now vulnerable essentially to the U.S. government for what might become, you know, financial sort of penalties, sanctions, investigative tools. That's not good. So they're on notice. Yeah, they're on notice. And no one knew that. You know, if you're a server operator in any country around the world, you might have rented to one of those countries. You 
because of privacy rules, you don't really ask what they're storing, you know, on those systems. So there is a cost to the operations, and it sends off signals, intelligence signals, information signals to everybody else. So this told the social media companies, you should look for all of these uh, organizations and people. It told other intelligence partners around the world, this is what the troll farm essentially consists of. So it's got, it has a massive effect in terms of how, in the open space, the Internet Research Agency is doing. What it doesn't do is stop the behavior, though, because whether it's uh, Saudi Arabia and the Khashoggi killing, whether it is Putin and the troll farm, it, it's not going after the decision makers who are deciding to do this. So it becomes just a horse trading game where you essentially say, oh, you take six, I take six, uh, you throw out diplomats, I throw out diplomats. That doesn't actually impact the operations over a long term. That's what a strategy would be designed for. And literally the same day that this new indictment came out, Facebook was giving a tour of its war room right. against any kind of infractions into the midterm elections or elections anywhere else. And I I wonder, that timing seemed so ironic to me. Are they really ready to look into this effectively? I think Facebook and the U.S. election is more prepared than the U.S. government is in many ways. Because they have a very defined strategy. Uh, the part of the U.S. government that I think is kind of ironed itself out is the election systems itself. You know, how do we protect the voting machines? Uh, what's our response going to be? Uh, how do we protect voter databases? And when they do get attacked, what are we going to do? That part they moved a little bit quicker on. DHS declared, you know, critical infrastructure. On the social media side, uh, Facebook actually, I think, has moved the furthest, the fastest. And I've now seen Twitter has done some pretty good things. And they're also, Twitter's also examining things like, what is an effective community or uh, how do good communities behave on their platform? That's also a good move. But they've sort of been drug into that. But it feels to me like those companies, they're looking at disinformation, wrong information, taking that down. And when you look at these indictments, you realize the problem isn't just disinformation. It's even just like the tone of information. Right. The accounts were sometimes just tweeting jokes right. about um, that sort of encouraged people to think in a partisan way. And how do you how do you get inside that? Yeah, if you're uh, uh, someone at the troll farm trying to make an account to influence in America, seventy percent of the time you just repeat what the audience is saying. So that's what you see in in that criminal complaint is, hey, this is a message that's gaining traction. Grab it amplify it, repurpose it, and send it back into the audience space. And when you have the opportunity, there were those instructions, amplify this divisive message. Those are messages that are grown here. We had had this in, in the counterterrorism days called moderate voices. The idea was, can we identify moderates against extremists? That's great, you know, and we would try and amplify it. They're doing the same approach just for a much more negative outcome, which is how do we make these people more angry at each other? How do we make them less trustful of institutions and the government? And they're using our, we're making the ammunition and they're just firing the gun. I mean, you've said Russia won't stop its disinformation machine, but they won't be the most dangerous influencers in the future. What do you mean by that? The political campaigns, uh, public relations firms, authoritarians, they have all adopted this playbook. We've seen it in Southeast Asia, whether it's Myanmar, Cambodia, Philippines. They've all done this, essentially, uh, using social media to put down dissidents and their opponents. But what gives political campaigns and, and uh, reputation launderers 
a huge advantage is they will have better technology. They'll be able to bring data. So it's three things. They can bring data together so that they know your digital life better than you know yourself. And they'll know when you're weak, what issues you'll grab onto. If I can figure out, uh, imagine if I had your Fitbit and I knew when you were super tired and I also knew when you got on social media and who you're angry with, I can push you in weird ways. The other part is the computational propaganda. We talk about social bots now, but a lot of that is just spam, just shooting conversations. And people still don't realize it's a machine or a man, you know, behind that. But imagine now you have bots that talk back and forth to each other to make it look like a real conversation. That makes you duped even more because you think, oh, this is a whole group of people talking, not just one. I'm not just trying to find a a bot. I'm trying to find a network of bots that are so good it looks like a real community. And the other part is deep fakes, which is the making of fake audio and fake video. Print, audio, video. You tend to believe more because it's more of a sensory experience. Because you see it. You see it and you feel it. So if you see it and feel it and you can make anybody say things or do things they never actually did with fake video and fake audio, that's going to be devastating, particularly in parts of the world where people don't have a really good basis for assessing information. So what's the fix here? Do we just need to rip the thing down to its studs? I think, uh, you know, what'll be interesting is I think there'll be social media moving forward, but you're also seeing a trend, which is movement to apps. Steve Bannon was talking about nationalizing social media. That's a way to break social media. And it's to push people to apps. And also, if you push people to apps, you don't need to scrape their Facebook data to to harvest all their information. When you join an app, You you, you give it to them. And they know all your communications. They know who you're talking to and what about. And they know what your relationships are. That and doesn't you, sound like a good thing. No, it's not a good thing. And you've essentially volunteered your whole digital life to them. They don't have to go pull it or find it anymore. I think the social media companies are in a tough spot because the platforms they built are essentially designed to give people what they want, not necessarily what they need. Okay, Clint, you've terrified me, but thank you for coming in and talking to me. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Discover. When it comes to your finances, Discover wants you to know they are the credit card that is always there for you. With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, that means no more waiting for, quote, normal business hours just to get a hold of someone. We are talking real service from real people whenever you need it. Get the customer service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. 
One more thing before we go. Listen, that's significant. These are no longer suspicious packages. The the FBI is saying that they were rudimentary but functional. Functional. That means they were explosive devices. Earlier today, CNN anchors Jim Shudo and Poppy Harlow were reporting some breaking news about bombs that had been sent to former President Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton when they were interrupted by a fire alarm. Because CNN's New York office, they'd just received a bomb too. Okay, um, we're going to jump in. There's... There's a fire, a fire alarm, alarm here. here. You might have heard it in the background. We're going to find out what the latest is uh, we'll here right at CNN. We're going to be right back. Reporter Shimo Prokopes. Shimo, tell us what do you know about what's happening in New York City at this hour? Well, our building in New York has been evacuated because the NYPD uh, is now investigating a suspicious package, something that was sent uh, to the building uh, at 10 Columbus Circle, which is in New York. A similar device was found on Monday at the home of liberal activist George Soros. And as we record this, There are more reports about similar bombs sent to other high-profile Democrats. John Brennan, Eric Holder. We know absolutely nothing about who's behind these attacks. But when I was speaking to Clint, he told me he worries that the churn of disinformation online makes these kind of attacks more likely. He said disinformation can be contagious. And this afternoon in New York City, Mayor de Blasio and Governor Cuomo seem to agree with him. This is a very painful time in our nation. It's a time when people are feeling a lot of hatred in the air. And incidents like this exacerbate that pain and exacerbate that fear. We cannot let the acts of a very few change who we are. We are weeks from an election, but we've been through many political seasons and we have political differences and that's actually good for democracy. What is not good is overheated rhetoric, uh, extremism that pushes people to violence. Meanwhile, in Washington, President Trump said, in these times, we have to unify. And I just want to tell you that in these times, we have to unify. We have to come together and send one very clear, strong, unmistakable message that acts or threats of political violence of any kind have no place in the United States of America. And with that, I think I'm going to turn off Twitter for the day. That is our show. What Next is an experiment. We are piloting the show through the midterms, and we want to hear what you think. Review the show on Apple Podcasts. That way, you're going to do two things at once. You'll provide us crucial feedback. We really want it. And you'll also be helping other people find us so we can get their feedback. What Next is hosted by me, Mary Harris, and produced by Mary Wilson and Jason DeLeon. Our engineer is Terrence Bernardo. Special shout out today to Leon Nafak, who helped me with my Russian name pronunciation. Talk to you tomorrow. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.